Hello, it's Fangraphs Audio, Curses Dooley, guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly appearance, making one of his weekly appearances. He's also the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com's Kyler McDaniel. Kyler McDaniel. And as he does each week, uh, Kyler McDaniel endeavors from what follows to analyze all prospects of particular note. This week, September roster expansion. It invites a number a number of interesting prospects to the major leagues. Uh, for example, this week uh, this week alone, Dodgers shortstop prospect, Dodgers prospect Corey Seager, former Dodgers prospect, current uh, Atlanta prospect uh, Hector Oliveira. They have both been promoted in the last week. That's uh, that's of some interest. And I asked Kylie about those prospects, and he discusses them. Also, Arizona's Brandon Drury, Brandon Drury whose last name sounds like jewelry, and I'm going to say assorted others, although there may not be any others. Also of note, 17-year-old Boston Red Sox prospect Anderson Espinoza, uh, during a, an appearance this past week, an appearance at which Kyle McDaniel was present, he sat at 95 to 99 miles per hour uh, for five innings, it seems. Five innings, which in itself, uh, in itself is exceptional. I asked Kyle McDaniel not only about Espinosa himself, but what, what, what might also conclude about 17 year olds who are throwing very hard. And also, is there a certain, uh, is there a sort of table of equivalencies? If a young pitcher is throwing, if a, say a 17 year old is throwing at 90 miles per hour, does that suggest that at 21, he'll be throwing at X miles per hour, where X might be 93 or a different figure? Do we even know? Neither last nor least, uh, we discuss Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun is interesting. Only three players from the most recent draft, three position players, have made it uh, as far as high A. They are Alex Bregman, who was uh, one of the top selections in the draft. They are Blake Trahan, who was a shortstop who played at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And then also Willie Calhoun, who transferred from Arizona to Yavapi, which is a community college in uh, in Arizona. And he's now one of the, the younger players at High A, the California League, and also one of the better hitters in that same league, at least in a small sample. Who is Willie Calhoun? What position ought he to play? And what does any of that, what does any of that teach us? What does it teach us? These are all the concerns that Kyle McDaniel addresses. One, one thing he does not address, but which I need to address here, is the sponsor. The sponsor for this particular edition of Fangraphs Audio. It is Draft. It is the Draft app available for iOS. That is for the iPads and the iPhones, available also for the Android operating system. Not unlike DraftKings, not unlike FanDuel, Draft is a daily fantasy game. Unlike those, it is uh, it has been created specifically for mobile devices, what one does. What I've done uh, almost every day this past week is to uh, compete against either a friend or an internet stranger to uh, engage in a snake-type draft, select five players each, and then see who wins. Are you confident that you might win such an encounter? You can wager American currency on this sort of thing. Would you care also, I don't know why you would, would you care to challenge Carson Sestouli, host of Fangraphs Audio Carson Sestouli, in such a game you can do that? For example, to just today, just today I was challenged by, <laughs> it appears to be a 10-year-old, uh, user named Zenabro, Z-E-E-N-A-B-R-O. I was challenged by a 10-year-old person, and uh, did I lose? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, but let's say it's, I was closer to losing than winning. So Xenobro appears to have had the upper hand and he beat me. Are you a 10 year old person? Are you a different age than 10 year old? You can also engage Carson's stool in a game of this. I do this because it helps the podcast and it's also, it's, it's not very difficult. It's fun. It's, you know, it's easy and it helps the podcast and it's fun and it's easy and helps the podcast. That is the end of the sponsor thing. We've already discussed that Kyle McDaniel will be here. What else you can expect and what follows is the end of this. And then a brief musical interlude supplied by Kyle McDaniel. And then a conversation about all prospects with Kyle McDaniel himself. It is Fangrass Audio. 
It does feature Kyla McDaniel, and it also, consequently, begins right now. And we could probably get a logo for it too. Uh, buy in, cash out, bro down. <laughs> it's just like a picture of you and me, and it's like Fangraphs audio. You know, I uh, I came to a little bit of a oh, realization I don't hear about that. while I was <laughs> while I was uh, actually. It's funny you mentioned that. I was looking over some uh, Richard Pryor jokes, um, and apparently, so apparently Richard Pryor's father died while having wait, sex. Wait, can't you get Richard's current jokes? Only <laughs> 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 well, if you, you go to the great comedy club in the sky. Oh boy. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, he said his uh, apparently his uh, Richard Pryor's father died while he was in the act of coitus. <laughs> And, uh. Which is only described that way by you. Yeah. But, uh, he has a joke about his dad. He says, he said, my father came and went the same time. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Pryor Wait, was. Are we, we going to be those two guys in a bar that have a very specific way of laughing that everyone in the bar is like, can those two guys shut up, please? <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind that. <laughs> I don't mind that, actually. I don't mind it. I want to uh, want to begin. Want to begin? Wait, what were you? How did you begin it? Oh yeah, bro down. You got a small. Yeah, okay. All right. Buy in, cash out. <laughs> cash out. Bro down. Bro down. Oh yeah, this is what I was gonna say. Uh, and I came to the. I came to. It was an epiphany I had while conducting a, an interview for a podcast with the the gentleman, the international gentleman of the Cespedes Family Barbecue. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with you. Go ahead. Yeah, fine. You can pick all my bones if you want. No, 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 no. That's also it's another big Richard Pryor joke. <laughs> he, uh, no, I realized that. I realized first of all, I realized I like you, Kyla McDaniel, and I re- also realized that a lot of your comments, you know, like it's like hard to compare, right? Stats from 1968, right, the year before the mound was was lowered. You know, to those stats, like either during what is called the steroid era, or, or um, you know, the 19, the 40s and 50s when offense was at all time high. So you, so you adjust them for, you know, not only for, um, well, for any sort of run environment, right? You adjust them for, for the home park. You adjust them for league, and you adjust them for era. And I, and I, and I know the one thing I do with you is I just, I adjust all of your comments for Florida. <laughs> 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 so so state adjusted, I'm a normal person. Yeah, you're great. State adjusted. Yes. You know I don't live in Florida though, right? No, but you're from Florida. That's that is true. And yeah. I would say my family hails in general from Alabama, which I feel like is its own adjustment. That's a yeah, and that's actually it's strange because they are obviously they're in close proximity, but it is a it is an adjustment. It's they're, they're different so, places. So my family is like uh playing in the equivalent of Petco Park. And you're like, you know what? He only hit eight homers, but I think he, I think he's better than that. Yeah, bring him if you bring him to, to if you bring him to uh, uh, Coors. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna gonna bang him out. Yeah. No, I, although I, I, although I will true. say I prefer the banquet beer. 
Do you eat it? I mean, I have no problem with it, but I know that some people. Uh, do you have a problem with the banquet beer? <laughs> I really no, have no problem. No, I think it, uh, Coors is the banquet beer. I was I, just saying, as a name, I prefer that. Oh, you would call? It, do you do you like to call it banquet banquet beer banquet beer field banquet beer field? I mean, that would be. I mean, I don't think I'd have to pay anything extra to change the name, and it would definitely yeah. get more buzz. Maybe yeah. they should like change it to different names within their brand. Yeah. Hashtag brand. Hashtag brand. Yeah. Um, hey Kylie, Kylie, uh, McKinder, yeah. would you, would you care to would you care to supply us with a um no audio chop still still looking producer on vacation? We're still, we're still shopping around of yeah, all the all yeah. jobs we've been sent. Well, we gotta get it. We gotta get some audio to clear. We're waiting for the audio to clear. I'm mm. not sure the Beatles are gonna clear it. <laughs> I don't. I just don't think yesterday is a reasonable ask. <laughs> Well, I, I'm looking. I've been talking to Appleman about possible financing options. Yeah. Um, what would you like to? Uh, Can we put it on layaway? Would please, you like Paul? to regale us in the week of scout? The week in scouting? Uh, yeah. So I'm starting to realize now that week to week there aren't necessarily huge events I can recap in this okay. segment. All right. Yeah, but this is. Wait, wait I'm not though? saying skip it. I'm just saying I would think it'd be like, oh, there was a trade. Let's. I'll mention what the trade was. But did you like, go? Uh, you've been to games, though, haven't you? Well, yeah, but that's the weekend in Kylie, not the weekend. Like, I mean, scouting in like a global sense. Okay. Like, right. what are scouts talking about? That's kind of the idea. Oh, what are they talking about? I wish I knew. <laughs> They're not talking to me. <laughs> Uh, so I, I guess like sort of the scouting event sort of on the calendar right now, uh, would be September call-ups. Like, I, I mean, I went to some games. I think there are some notable guys I've seen in the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. as far as, uh, you know, sort of newsworthy, yeah. uh, to baseball fans, I feel like it's September call-ups and usually the, <laughs> this is the part of the show where you name a call-up, I go on for about 30 minutes about him and then you name another one and then the show's over. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, well, we, we have discussed in recent, uh, recent weeks, we've discussed uh, debuts, and so that these these two things dovetail. What I would like you to picture is a dove in your head, but I mm-hmm. want you to focus just on the tail part. Wow. <laughs> yep. That's so what the, we're, the, the Nicki Minaj of doves. That's what we're uh, uh, adjust for Florida, and that's a totally reasonable comment. <laughs> Even the ones, even the ones, mom, I'd say. I would. I'm having fun. I'm having, I'm having fun with you, buddy. How many drinks did you have at dinner tonight? Uh, I, you know, the normal amount. I have. Uh, I actually cut out day drinking entirely, so I think that deserves to be noted. Let's. Uh, if, it, if it makes you feel better, I haven't been able to notice that in your writing. <laughs> uh, hey, big. Actually, here's here's a question: Which of the following is a more significant? Uh, promotion, uh, you know, since uh, since roster expansion began, in your head, in your head, which one is a bigger promotion? The promotion by the Los Angeles Dodgers of Corey Seager, uh, like current shortstop, potentially not future current stop, depends. Uh, Corey Seager, uh, or alternatively, former Dodgers prospect, uh, current current Atlanta prospect Hector Oliveira. I, if I, if you would allow me to pick a third one, yeah, uh, I would say the biggest promotion was a, an email offer from Nike for twenty five percent off until Monday. Oh man! But, but since I have to choose one of those two, yeah, okay. Uh, well, if, I mean, if you're gonna go prospect stat, I guess you mean how good of a prospect or most important short term. Like, I guess how do you define biggest? I was or, uh, or literally the biggest person. I was not asked. I I had uh, 
the question you hear is that's as, that represents exactly as as much as I thought it through. Yeah. Okay. That well, makes we're sense. gonna listen. The point is, I I think it makes sense to discuss both of them. Which one? I guess which one for you is is more is rich is rich like mahogany. <laughs> well, if you want to compare these, if you just line up the tool grades and mm-hmm. then sort of the war upside or likelihood that that uh, suggests. Mm-hmm. It's not amazingly different. Like I'd say Seeger is 55 or 60 bat with probably 55 power and, uh, you know, left-handed and young and, you know, all those good things and can play shortstop now at sort of a fringy to below average level, but will eventually play third base. Like, uh, and Oliveira is, well, it's a little, it's a little wider, uh, range of possible sort of hit tool options, uh, because we haven't seen him play, uh, in America a lot. But I, I think before he signed, I think I said he was 55 hit and 55 power. So similar sort of guy, but maybe just swings a little harder. So maybe not quite as much average as Seeger and he's right handed. And he has played, uh, an up the middle position at second. Uh, but he's, I think he's put on like probably 15 pounds since he signed, uh, and is a sort of average third baseman. So, I mean, they're both, potentially uh, very soon above-average everyday infielders on the left side. And obviously Oliveira being like seven years older would presumably get to that sort of maxed out above-average level sooner, uh, which is why I think Seager's a little better of a prospect because, you know, like I said, a little more defensive value, a little more hit, younger, left-handed. We have, you know, long track record, hasn't been injured, there's not a lot of questions about him. It's just sort of, what's he? Is he going to be a 50 bat or a 60 bat? And is it going to be, you know, passable, okay at short, or is it going to be, uh, you know, sort of average at third? Like, sort of the range of possibilities isn't that wide. Uh, whereas Oliveira, I still think there's a lot of different possibilities on the table. Okay, yeah. Now you said with regard to Oliveira that he had gained, yeah, and estimate, you know, you're estimating 15 pounds. Is the does it does it appear to be good weight? It, he is the kind of guy where when he adds weight, it is muscle. Okay. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's, actually I don't know, is there a scientific way to just be like, you've added 15 pounds and 8.7 of it is muscle. Uh, I, I don't know if people, people ever get that specific, but when I, when I saw him in the Dominican when he worked out, uh, it was, you know, like 6'2", you know, 210, like big guy, but not huge. And the guy I saw uh, play Gwinnett last week was, you know, maybe 235, like looked physically like a first baseman. And then you watch him play third. You're like, oh, he can play third. He just, you know, not many guys look like that and can play third, but he can. Right. So yeah, it, got, it got to the point where it's sort of like, oh, big power hitting dude as opposed to, oh, big athletic guy. Well, some – and the, there are some humans, right, some male humans who just – who are going to – they're going to be carrying mass. And if – the in Regardless, and so if they are moving around a lot, and they are sort of, uh, I guess they are curating. This is not a term that I'm familiar with. I don't know if they are curating that mass. We're in uncharted territory. Yeah, <laughs> Carson's talking about athletic people. No, but if they, if they are, yeah, if they're essentially like ma- managing the mass, then it's muscle, right? And because I, I always feel like this is the this is the narrative to some degree attached to Steven Strasburg, the the amateur version of Steven Strasburg, right? He was at San Diego State. Is that that's true? Yep. San Diego State, and yep. he was uh, promising, but also overweight. And then he just uh, he just dedicated himself to fitness, and I assume you know some sort of um, uh, lifting program. And then uh, and then 
you know, the, the, at least the, this very simplified version of the story is the muscle uh, essentially the, – the fat became muscle, right? Yeah, and, and there's like a whole, uh, I guess, sort of player-specific interplay of – Amount of muscle, amount of fat, amount of sort of flexibility and sort of general, you know, sort of fitness and energy and things like that. And there's kind of an ideal place for everyone. And that ideal place looks different for everyone. So like a guy like Prince Fielder, I remember a couple years ago, he, what he, I think it was he turned vegetarian and lost like 20 pounds and like couldn't hit anymore. And then he started eating hamburgers and got a little bigger and suddenly he was better at everything. And there's not very many guys that look like Prince Fielder that are world class athletes, but you can find guys like, you know, CC Sabathia or him uh, that can sort of make that kind of framework. And you can also find guys like Bartolo Colon and like David Wells, who I don't think you'd really even call athletic, but are obviously really good at baseball with a frame that shouldn't really work. And then there's, you know, guys like Miguel Sano, who when he was 16, guys were like, all right, he's going to weigh 250 pounds and some, sometime soon, and it's not going to be bad weight. That's just where his body is trying to go. And the only way he won't get there is if we stop him. <laughs> and that happened to Addison Russell. He weighed 230 pounds as a junior in high school. Oh, yeah, right. And from after he lost all that weight around, you know, by draft time to now, he's been like 180 to like 200 or somewhere in that area. Like his body doesn't want to be there, but he's figured out a way to keep it there. Do you think he's, do you think he's actively hungry? Look at his shoulders. Yeah, if right. You can. And it's like so absurdly wide. You're like, there's no way he's only supposed to be that big. And that's one of the indicators that scouts see when they say, you know, Sano is supposed to be way bigger than this. That's one of the big indicators uh, that, you know, it's like I always say compared to like a clothes hanger. If it's like that wide and there's sort of thickness and strength to the frame, it's like it's supposed to hold that proportion and amount of weight to what those shoulders are well, doing. Uh, and those are like the shoulders of Dwight Howard. So right, yeah, and actually, and I, Steven Strasburg has that type of body too. He has quite broad shoulders, but he, it like tapers down to his waist. Um, it's yeah, a, it's, it's the male yeah, hourglass figure, basically. Yeah, and sometimes it's wide shoulders, and it's sort of you know strong and uh, and sort of a boxier frame, mm -hmm. and you know that guy turns into like the Rock, <laughs> and then some. Yeah, sometimes it'll be broad shoulders and like very thin throughout, and you know kind of tapers, and it's just sort of you know I guess what they would call sort of like a swimmer's body. Where it's, you know, oh, right, right. You know, long, yeah. long limbed and those sorts of things and figures out a way to get coordinated, but the sort of bone structure isn't such that it's going to be, you know, sort of beefy. Do you know who else has that as a body? This is, uh, this is another prospect and, uh, sort of just, uh, what's that? Michael Phelps. Right. He is, he's is an actual swimmer, isn't he? Yeah. I uh, met him. Once. Wes Parsons. A, uh, a, have not seen him in person. Good an point. Atlanta, an Atlanta prospect, Atlanta pitching prospect listed at fangraphs.com. At uh, six five one ninety, which will suggest to you that um, yeah. there's some, you know more mass could fit on that frame. Uh, I don't I actually don't necessarily know what he's been up to this year. He pitched uh, like in July. I think it was baseball, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but not. Uh, it appears not so much given his style. He only pitched in July of this year. Ooh, my sarcastic response isn't even correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's also yeah. That's why I haven't seen him because he's thrown like twenty innings this year. Making making light of of his problems. That's fine. That's fine. You know what? Typical McDaniel. That's what I'll call that. That's true. Also, he turned twenty three today. I don't uh -huh. know if you noticed that. That's great. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's another example. If it's six five one ninety and twenty three, I can I can probably I can guess that bone structure. Is that going to be a new game for us? <laughs> You can what by seeing the body now, you could say it'll be well because it's not uncommon for normal schlubby men, right? Like I was for me, I'm like I still I'm uh, I'm just, I'm obviously I'm a thin-wristed liberal, uh, 
Um, as <laughs> Dane Perry has referred to me on Sorry, was that a direct quote from Kurt Schilling? <laughs> uh, actually, Dane Perry, who's sort of the uh, the baseball writing equivalent, really. Um, yeah. Do you have any ideas about terrorism? He's, he wants to fight it with his fists. I think that's one thing he said. With his uh, yeah. meat hooks. Uh, He's got that in common with a lot of baseball. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. So like, but but I've also I uh, have gained I've gained weight since I was even an even more thinly wristed person when I was young, and that's just the trajectory, right, of the male human body. It becomes it becomes disgusting as you grow older. Do you, do you often complain to your friends that uh, when you eat, like, a dessert, like, oh, this is going to go straight to my wrists? <laughs> no, no, I've never done that. Actually, my wrists are still thin. It's just a... Oh, okay. Other, you other, seem to imply your wrists were thicker now. And I was yeah, thinking, like, other parts of me. How much weight do you have to gain that it eventually gets to your wrists? <laughs> other parts of me are, are expanding. Um, but oh, no. I guess, like, the... I guess the question, right, is... Well, because there is actually... I. I have to assume that there's some manner of science involved in this. When you look at a human person and you say, yes, if they eat, you know, if they uh, consume X number of calories per day with this, you know, ratio between, you know, fats and, and proteins, um, then, then it's going to it's going to result in this kind of body. But then there's also a number of, of uh, you know, genetic signif- signifiers as well. So I, I guess uh, from your experience, you've, you've you've done some work in front offices. What is the hold? What is the knowledge of of these sort of I guess what physiological projections? Uh, what sort of hold do they have, or is it sort of uh, is it still maybe a little bit in that kind of the province of scouts who are like, oh, you know, he's a big bodied, or you know, and there's no physical projection left in the body. Well, if you want to look at the empirical evidence, I would say the biggest part of a professional baseball player's diet is Chipotle. <laughs> is that true? Well, it's certainly they all eat Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, right. If Twitter is any indication, uh, that's pretty yeah. good. I assume that as you uh, rocket up the tax brackets, your diet might change a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily assume that, but yeah. it's probably true. I will. Um, I will actually say, uh, this is not, it's not a baseball player, but one time I was on a plane with Gary Payton, and uh, he. This was at like the, the very end of his career, a very successful and uh, lucrative career. And he walked on to the plane with the bag of McDonald's, and he was just eating a hamburger, you know. And he didn't actually yeah. he didn't need to be doing that. Um, so this is, an, I guess, an interesting area because I, I think people are curious about it, and I think the most um, intellectually curious front offices – are doing, you know, things about it or keeping track of it or something in some objective way. And there's been some, some articles in recent years about, uh, Chip Kelly, the, uh, the head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. uh, that they have customized shakes that they give to every player, I believe before oh. and after practice every day. Uh, and the idea is like you were saying, like, you know, we're in a, in a field where an extra 2% of body fat can end your career. Like, let's try to keep it in as tight a band as we can. And so, uh, you know, you need to eat X amount of this and X amount of that, and we're going to monitor it, and this will get you on your way, uh, so we're going to make it easier for you and just hand you the thing is that you need to eat. And there's been, I guess, some discussion of this in baseball, that there's, uh, you know, like, I know especially uh, uh, Latin and spe- specifically Dominican players may be a little, I don't want to say, like, malnourished, but, like, you know, haven't had access to quality food around the clock for the last, you know, for their childhood. Mm-hmm. And are signing at 16 when you're still developing, and 
there's you know some focus on let not just put food out and assume everyone's going to eat. Let's make sure they know eat these sorts of things. Uh, you know that if you need to spend your money on something when you're at home in the off season, this is the thing to get. You know, work out like this. You know, there's sort of an education process to it. Uh, but from my experience uh, with you know sort of the organizations I watched closely, and then also the ones that I've you know maintained conversations with. Uh, it, it's more of a, you know, we're generally, you know, most of the guys we acquire or the guys that sort of matter at the big league level have been in professional baseball, have gotten through all the levels, have figured out what works for them. Unless we see some guy just like mainlining Skittles around the clock, like we probably don't need to tell him what to do. And it's probably a, you know, potentially opens up because some of the football players, the Eagles have complained about, how the Eagles, you know, monitor their heart rate at every single practice and give them the food they're supposed to eat. And there's like a little too much sort of big brother control going on. Like you could see it if it was in baseball eventually going that direction, given how people responded to the, you know, the Astros let Mark Appel take a bullpen when no one was in the stadium and everyone got mad. Like you can see that, that culture turning on here's your shake. Well, I don't want your shake, you know, big government or whatever. (laughs) Um, so. So I I think for baseball because of the nature of the game and the sort of culture around the game it isn't taken to the level that it is in football uh and I think also by the nature of the you know 5 years of experience in the minors at a bunch of different levels where you have to keep figuring out a way to succeed there's sort of an implicit you've got this kind of figured out when you get to the big leagues whereas like you know high school player straight to the NBA you know he doesn't know what he's doing and so you kind of need to help him a little more right yeah 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 i, I could see that uh, being a greater issue uh, the lower like you know the lower levels of of the minor leagues I still remember a story about the Kwame Brown, the guy the Washington Wizards took out of high school. Yeah, right. That I think it was somebody from the organization went to his house because there was, you know, some sort of like interview or had to help him carry something or whatever. And they saw that in the corner of his bedroom, he had just a pile of balled up suits that he would, you know, bought a bunch of suits, would wear them to whatever he needed to wear a suit to, and then just ball them up and throw them in the corner when he was done with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> hadn't even considered that it's like, oh, get them dry cleaned, hang them up, like all that kind of thing. And it was like, yeah, that's the kind of people you're dealing with, you know, when it's like high school to the NBA with like not a lot of, uh. Well, yeah, 18 year olds who were immediately become wealthy. Because um, he, he was a, he was a first overall pick, wasn't he? Uh, if he wasn't, he was close. Yeah. yeah he was. Yeah. And then, and so this guy, you know, is like franchise cornerstone and nobody even considered doing that or I'm assuming didn't even know they needed to do that. Uh, because there's other guys like LeBron that sort of come into the league and, you know, have some sort of savvy and have like a team around them. And, you know, that's the kind of thing those guys will take care of. Uh, I should also say that, I, so the, you know, the teams recognize that, you know, uh, we might have Latin players not reaching their potential for, you know, dumb reasons we could easily fix, like, you know, nutrition and how to spend your money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, their teams have been in the last like 10 years or so hiring people where their only job is like, uh, I believe it's like cultural assimilation or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like the guy that helps ease that transition and usually teaches English and, uh, and there'll be more practical things. Like when you get your paycheck and you want to go eat, this is how you order at the Denny's across the street from your apartment. That's right next to the stadium. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. I, w- I would, I would love <laughs> that service for any uh, foreign country I, I visit. Um, well, and I've so, <laughs> yeah, that, 
Sorry. useful for, for those thin-listed liberals that don't know how to order in, yeah. in, in Montreal without getting hit. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also, I remember I was talking to a friend that does like financial advising and there's like, you know, a gap. If you watch the show Ballers on HBO between agents and financial advisors that do sort of separate things, but sometimes will work together. Uh, but they're usually like separate companies. And then there's a third thing, which there was one financial company that this agent was explaining to me does really well. And he told me some of the clients and it was at the futures game. And so we kind of you know, shake hands like, Oh yeah, I know that guy and all that kind of thing. And they go, Oh, they specialize with Latin guys. And the guys from the company I was talking to, like, we're not Latin. And I was like, wait, what? I don't understand how this, like, how do you specialize in Latin players if, you know, there's not some sort of, you know, appeal that brings you together. And, uh, they're saying, oh, they don't necessarily do like investing of their money. They do like services to like, uh, you know, put it in a bank account, pay your bills, you know, help you move, like all of the sort of stuff I was talking about, like the cultural stuff where maybe you sign for a million in July too, uh, but your agent doesn't want to like help you move. Like who helps you do that? And I think if you're that kind of guy, would you, uh, you know, would you would you pay a little bit of your money extra to make sure that you you know you're in the right position to succeed? And so now the you know the free market is stepping in. The old free market, yeah. So this is a I would like to bring it to your attention and to the listeners if they're this is all this is we're still in the beginning portion of the show, Kyle and McDaniel. Oh no. Yep. But we're we're really not. I think that let's not lie to ourselves, right? We're we are we're looking at some debuts, some notable debuts. We discussed uh, we discussed Seeger, we discussed um, uh, we discussed uh, oh sorry um, Hector Oliveira. <clears throat> uh, let's see other notable names. Um, oh yeah, okay. Uh, Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury. How do you think Brandon Drury feels that he elicited an "Ooh yeah"? Well, but I happen to. Uh, th- it's notable uh, for me to discuss Brandon Drury with you because I believe the first time I saw Drury in person uh, was next to you in uh, at the Arizona Fall League. No, no, you were next to me, not Brandon Drury. Right, I was next to you, and Brandon Drury was at bat. Yes. Yeah, and uh, he was impressive. I think he, I think he ultimately posted pretty impressive numbers, uh, both in terms of. You know, sort of uh, more uh, superficial slash line, but also some of the un- underpinning stuff. Um, and I look, it appears as though he has made his way to the majors now, and that he is—he's uh, playing both third and second. Or has played both third and second in the majors. Uh, I think there's been some question as to what what his uh, position ultimately might be. Yes, uh, I for, I think I saw him play one game at second in the fall league. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's, I guess you'd say, passable there. Not, not great, but you could see him being average. Uh, and he's probably above average at third. Uh, you know, round and average runner, around average power. Uh, probably a little better than average. Uh, hit. Uh, very well-rounded guy. I think people, I think fans of teams will, you know, see or hear or listen to reports about players and be like, oh, you just said average to a bunch of things. I don't think they realize that five average tools and reaching the big leagues when you're 23 and the chance that some of those get turned into above average tools, like, you know, hit and power. Uh, it's like really good <laughs> right. because they, you know, they experience baseball players generally as like a stat line. You know, they think average means, you know, 250 with eight home runs, but that's actually not average. Right, right, right. Average across the board is actually, is actually rather strong. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's one of those guys that's fifties and fifty fives, and you know has some good feel for the game and some versatility and all that. So that's, actually appears uh, to have played some shortstop at Reno this year as well. And and I, and then I guess another thing to add would be that if it's a bunch of average tools, but your best tool is your bat, uh, then that's that's p good as the kids say. 
Uh, no, don't don't say that every time. It's not. Come on. It's crazy. Why are you doing that? Why Wait, can they can they hear us when we whisper? <laughs> What's going on over here? What's everyone whispering? You always say P good. I gotta adjust. That's the occasion where I gotta adjust for Florida. Let's talk about uh. Let's talk about a. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to another debut uh, or two before we end. Let's talk about a player you actually have seen recently, um, and because he brings up some questions, I believe you saw a Boston Red Sox prospect named Anderson Espinosa. True or false? Yeah, I saw him last night. Uh, a mere 24 hours ago. Okay, and this is a this is a 17 year old person. Mm-hmm. Um, who was? Uh, I don't have a signing information in front of me. Do you have it in your head? I believe it was 1.6. 1.6 out of close to close to that, if not that. Out of the Dominican Republic. Venezuela. Out of Venezuela. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you saw uh, him as a 17-year-old. You saw him pitching at uh, what uh, Class A? Now it looks like. Low A Greenville, yeah. Low A Greenville, and he was he was sitting. He was sitting. He was sitting at 95 to 99. Is that a true thing? He did not throw a fastball below 95 until, like, the 55th pitch. Okay. And he was throwing, like, 85% fastballs. Right. I think it was 80. I did the number. I think it's tweeted. I think it was 88% fastballs. It was, you know, like, something like 65 pitches total, and I think it was, like, six or seven curveballs and, like, two change-ups. So you get the idea. He's throwing a lot of fastballs. Right. He – I want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, how many – in any given year – how many 17-year-olds, and this would include high schoolers, I suppose, or well, would have to, uh, how many 17-year-olds do you do you see sitting mid-90s and higher? Uh, very few. Okay. And he, I think he, some, there's even some that do that may not be, like, huge prospects per se uh, that, you know, at any given high school game, maybe they're, you know, 93 to 95. Mm-hmm. But then by the third inning, they're 90, 91. So, like, even even the sort of the concept of, oh, this guy hit 95, oh, that isn't, like, that important anymore or that rare, uh, sitting 93 to 95 in the fourth inning of a game at 18 is still really rare. That still doesn't happen for more than a handful of guys per draft class as far as high school players go. So, like, here's another question. Uh, Josh Stomont. Josh Stomont, did they say it? I think it's Stalmont. Stalmont. Okay, that's fine. He was uh, he was just selected what in the, se- the second round of the most recent draft by the Royals, out yep. of I believe Division Two, Azusa Pacific University. You s- yeah, you said that kind of derisively, but yeah. No, but well, no, but you, I mean, <laughs> to a second round pick out of a Division Two school, that's this is not a frequent occurrence. No, that and, doesn't happen every year. And what, what he throws hard. He throws quite hard. Yeah, I think he hit a hundred like. Om- Almost every time in like the last year, I think he's at 100. He hits okay. it very often. And but so like, what do you think he was throwing when he was 17? Oh uh, well, he went to a Division two school, so obviously not that hard. <laughs> right. So right. So that's the that's the implication, right? Is that he, if you're throwing 100 as a as a, as a high schooler, a D1 school is going. There are multiple D1 schools are going to be showing interest. And if you hit 94. You will go to a Division One school, <laughs> like with almost without exception in high school. And then, if there's, is there like a number where if you're, is there a certain number you're hitting, you're definitely just going to be drafted regardless of what your command is? Uh, no. Well, there's also it's drafted is kind of a weird line because if your family's super rich and you hit 97 and you say you want two million dollars, you might not get drafted. Uh, so yeah, I mean, being a top five or six round talent may be a little better proxy for that, but. Okay. Yeah, like if you hit 97 in high school, you'll be a top five or six round guy, even if you're, you know, have no idea where it's going, like whatever. Like if somebody would offer you, you know, $200,000 or whatever fifth round money is, 
there would be one team that would do that almost regardless. I'd, I'd probably say 96 or 97 is probably that number. Right. And then, and well, Tyler Kolek to some degree, the second round or sorry, second overall pick in last year's draft, he's a little bit of a litmus test for this, right? Because he comes from a small, uh, a small school in Texas. Uh, yep. But he but he exhibited uh, pretty excellent velocity. He he touched 100, no? Yeah. Yeah. And but he he did not appear to to possess any other sort of discernible like pitching specific skills. Yeah, it was it was size, reasonable athleticism. Would every now and then throw a good curveball, and every now and then throw an acceptable changeup. But yeah, it was like ninety percent of the package was uh, size, velocity, and reasonable amount of athleticism. Right, and that got him a second overall pick. Yep, it yeah. did. <laughs> right. So Anderson Espinoza, I mean, he wouldn't even be if he was in the United States right now. If he, I mean, if he were, you know, a U.S. citizen going to high school. He would probably only be a junior right now. He'd be, still be a year away from draft eligibility. Um, or either, there he'd, is. He'd be entering the senior year. He'd be entering the senior year roughly right now. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, I mean, I think we've probably seen uh, these days. There's a wide gap between the ages people you think are in high school. Like you just assume they're all 18 when they get drafted, and some guys are 20 and some guys are 17. So there's. I'm actually looking up the age of. There's a guy in the 2017 class, so a current junior. That is not as good as Espinosa, but is sort of the best pitching prospect in the 2017 class. Mm-hmm. And he was born six months after Espinosa. So he kind of, I would say Espinosa falls like in between, uh, the sort of 2016 and 2017 class age brackets. Right. So I, I was actually comparing him to 2016 prospects. So the guys I just saw on the showcase circuit that'll get drafted a year from now. Um, and he's basically tied for first with two other guys, uh, Jason Groom and Riley Pint. Um, because when I tweeted the stuff from the game uh, last night, there were a couple scouts that were like, "Oh, where would you put him against these high school guys? Guys that I, you know, we just all saw multiple times." And I was like, "It's basically value-wise the same as Jason Groom, who's you know sort of seen as the top prep pitcher in the class, and he's also very young, um, and is probably a little better than Riley Pine. But I could see, you know, if all thirty teams made a decision, maybe ten of them would take Riley Pine. Like it's not, you know, obviously better." Uh, and those guys are seen as, you know, something like third and tenth in the draft class overall, something like that. And that's, that's sort of the sort of shorthand you can use to get to the thing I tweeted, which was he would be top five in this year's draft or last year's draft, given sort of what we know at this point. But obviously it's still, still early enough that sort of the amateur opinion on these guys could change. Do you have, I, we've talked about velocity in the past, um, and the correlation between velocity in an amateur prospect and, w- and that same, even that same player, same pitcher, in you know number of years. And I think that research that, that you've conducted yourself while you were with a, uh, a front office, you, you found very little correlation. Uh, wait, the, I, I think I may have missed a word there. The, what, what were you saying was the little if correlation? You, if you've if you've uh, present velocity for an amateur prospect uh, relative to that same prospect's future velocity. Well, no, it, the thing that wasn't correlated was the projected velocity while they were in high school and then the velocity they actually showed at, you know, 24 or whatever sort of a reasonable oh, amount of time. Oh, that's very interesting, right? Which was suggesting that their current velocity may be the best predictor of their future velocity or at least okay. better, better than what you project it to be. Because so I think 
It, I think mean, the reason is because it like turns into a math problem. Like, oh, he's six four one ninety. He'll add twenty pounds. That means his fastball will go up two ticks as long as his delivery isn't terrible. And it's obviously way more complicated than that. And a lot of the factors involved and that make it more complicated are things we can't really know or understand. Do you have a? So maybe it's a fool's errand, but I'll ask the question anyway. Do you have a sense? Do you have a sort of conversion table in your head when you find a seventeen-year-old? I mean, obviously. Humans generally don't throw much faster than 95 to 99. There are not a lot of instances of that. But if you see a if you see a 17 year old throwing at 90 in your head, uh, or for you, does that does that equal X miles per hour at age 21 or or 24? Uh, well, not in not in a generic sense because you need way more information than that. Like for instance, there's a couple guys in this in the draft class for next summer. That, you know, we're just on the showcase circuit. Like, there was one, I think, in the PG All-American game named Zach Hess that's, like, 6'5", 210, and has hit, I think, 96 or 97 and shows an above-average breaking ball and has some idea where the ball's going. But it's a very sort of high-effort, max-effort delivery. And uh, I I know <laughs> that scouts will not pay that guy uh you know, probably even a million dollars. Like he's, he, he might be worth 500,000 to some teams, but probably even less than that. Um, because of the, what they would say, the way he does it. Um, but if that guy does the same delivery, the same stuff and gets good results for three years at, I think he's committed to Virginia Tech. So if he, if he goes and turns into some, you know, three year relief ace, uh, for them, like say a Riley Farrell type career, the TCU closer that the Astros, I think, took in the second round, um, then he'll get paid a million dollars. And the, the reason that happens and why some scouts will look at a guy that could be a seven-figure player and say, oh, no, he's a college guy, what that means is for pitchers that are of this sort that um, we we think there's a high risk of him blowing up. If we go sign all of the guys like this based on what we would pay them if they you know continued doing this in college, we would look really dumb because only a few of them would work out and we still just have a reliever in the first place. But if they get through college and like don't get injured and the, maybe the command improves a little bit and it, it's, it, there's an implication genetically that this guy's body can handle this, uh, which is I think also an underlying thing in the article I wrote about Carson Fulmer, basically explaining like you, you don't go draft every 5'10 pitcher out of high school that has good stuff, but if they don't get hurt and they perform and they improve and their command is good, like all of that, that implies something about them that you can't surmise out of high school with any reasonable amount of accuracy. Um, and, and then another thing, another sort of maxim on showcase season when, you know, guys will, you know, scouts toward the end of the summer will be like, oh, this guy's, you know, like the fifth best pitcher in the class. And then eventually when you get down to like eighth or ninth, they'll be like, oh, I don't know. There's just like a group of 20 guys. Just pick one. And then if I were to ask them something like, well, specifically, if you had to guess out of this group of 10, which one do you want, to, you know, to rank in the top 10 or whatever, uh, they would say, well, just pick the one with the smoothest arm action. Because they've seen years and years and years in a row where, you know, once you get past that top 10, it's just a group of 30 guys. And the ones that end up, you know, going from th- sitting 90 on the showcase circuit to hitting 95 during the spring, uh, it's the guys with the smooth arm actions that are, you know, generally projectable, uh, you know, physically as well. Uh, but it's generally those guys. And, and so there's a little bit of math as far as, you know, how much projection and how much velocity that means. 
and that's a function of what they look like and what their parents look like and how they, you know, sort of their shoulders are structured and, you know, all that sort of stuff, what you know about his work ethic and how much work, working out and eating and whatever he's doing currently and how well he's doing it. And then I think the more important or most important input would be sort of the delivery and arm action and all that kind of stuff. So eventually you get to the point where even if you want to make a dumb, you know, sort of, you know, uh, simple, uh, you know, couple variables, it's still going to be three or four things and they're not even easy to define. Okay. That's great. I appreciate it. You mentioned Carson Fulmer. Carson Fulmer is already uh, pitching uh, at high A. Wait, is that all we're going to say about Espinosa? Uh, what about you, you got any more ideas? You got any more ideas? <laughs> well, I didn't really. We just said he threw hard and he's young. I talked about the concept of being young and throwing hard. I don't feel like we really finished it. Well, what, what do you what do you want to say about him? Uh, well, of those handful of curveballs, uh, he threw probably one where he kind of put the whole thing together. Oh, I see. Uh, I see where we're going because I well, I followed it because you you made some other comments regarding Espinosa on your uh, your Twitter account. Yes, because you received uh, that was not blowback. But people were like, "Oh, is he missing bats?" <laughs> it was like it was like three people. Yeah, it was. But, you, it wasn't. It wasn't. But it, the question I think well, there was a question. This this is a reasonable question. Was he missing bats? And I think you were saying you. You made a comment to the effect that, well, it doesn't really matter. He's this is he's in a developmental stage. He's throwing fast. He's throwing what, almost ninety percent fastballs. Yeah. Well, no, actually, that wasn't what I was going to talk about because I didn't <laughs> feel like that warranted mentioning. Because I, I, I thought I didn't it was think kind it of, did either. That's why I, I thought was it was kind it. of a bad question, and I kind of pointed it out and whatever. No, I was going to say the sort of the finishing the uh, the evaluation. So it was through you know four or five not that great curveballs, and then one or two good ones. And then, but then in warmups when he was going, you know, kind of, I don't know, 70% effort or whatever, he was consistently showing better shape and depth to it. And so what that means is when he's very relaxed and throwing easily, the curveball curves, maybe even more than you would guess given the arm speed because he wasn't throwing that hard. Uh, but then in the game, he can't quite get it over. That means he's kind of throwing it too hard or maybe, you know, the, you know, mechanics and timing of all that isn't quite right. Um, but I mean, he was sitting with an 80 fastball for 50 pitches. Uh, what, and I don't think I know anyone that's 17 or 18 in the world right now that can do that and was doing it with like command and above average to plus life and then flashed a 60 curveball. Uh, and the changeup he threw a couple of in warmups and then they looked about the same in the game. They're about average, maybe a little bit above depending on, you know, if maybe the deception plays up when I see him throw 10 or 12 of them. Uh, and I think the command projected to 50. So, um, I guess for people that like to have sort of the pitch grades and command grades and stuff to kind of compare everything, it's, you know, compared to the very tippy top, uh, you know, Jamison Tyon, you know, Dylan Bundy, those sorts of guys, high school pitchers, uh, he's, you know, the same age or younger than those guys. He's smaller, but the stuff is at least as good as basically all of them. What, uh, uh, where does he fit? Uh, where does he, how does he compare to Julio Urias? Uh, well, both, I'd say, similar sizes. And Espinoza has, you know, I guess we'd say sort of uh, – a seven, I would say eight fastball, but you know, some, usually it'll you know slow down a little bit, or he'll opt to throw it slower in the big league. So maybe the projection would be a seven fastball, six breaking ball, five changeup, and Urias was sort of three sixes, but he didn't even really pop up until he was eighteen or nineteen. I think it was eighteen. Urias. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think that was his big break. Was it seventeen? Maybe it was. He's, well, he's he's quite he's still quite young. He just turned nineteen uh, in August, so. Um, okay, well then, yeah, he was 17. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, but yeah, both both smaller guys, uh, both Latin, both 17, and uh, you know, both with huge stuff. But yeah, it just basically comes down to, 
if you want to pick which one you want, do you want the three sixers or do you want the seven and the six and the five? Uh, which I guess people would probably go with your eyes. Uh, but then when you introduce the whole eye issue, which could eventually be a problem one day, uh, maybe people take, people take Espinosa. But yeah, r- roughly comparable as far as like overall value. I think you're right. Didn't Rice have some, uh, he had some surgery on his eye, didn't he? Yeah, it was a big concern when he was signing that some teams just didn't bother with him at all. Right. And then once his stuff spiked up, the Dodgers were like, well, well, we'll figure it out later. This guy's really good. And then he got even better after that. Uh, and I don't think anything happened with his eye. It was just known that that was a thing. Uh, and then he recently had surgery and I, I haven't, you know, sort of made calls to see what the official stance is, but it doesn't appear to be like a long-term concern. I think it was more sort of cleaning it up so it won't be a problem later. Right. He, I mean, he had, this was a young man who had, what did he have, a tumor behind his eye, right? Yeah, that was, well, that was the stuff. I mean, you can see how that would scare someone off if, like, your, your scout in Mexico is like, uh, you know, hey boss, come see this guy. He's, uh, 15, about to turn 16, and he's like, you know, into the low 90s. It's like, oh, what else should I know? He's got a tumor in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Like you can, you can see how people would be like. I have a two million dollar budget. I'm not gonna pull half of it on a guy. That, oh, you know, a two million his eye. Oh, come on. That's a, oh, Julio. No, there was there was like legitimate buzz at the time that he signed that it could be blindness. I think it was like sort of open ended enough that we're like, we don't really know where this is gonna go. We just know there's something going on, and I think we're clear of that now. Like, like I said, I'm, you don't get super forthcoming medical stuff from these teams because, you know, you like HIPAA and all that sort of stuff. You know who's but. a big uh, Urias fan is Paul Simon. Do you know that? He wrote a song of all about the two of them down at some sort of schoolyard. It's good, it's good friends. <laughs> I wanted to see how that would play if nobody made a noise. <laughs> yeah, but I decided to make my own noise. I Woody allen it. He's he's really good at that. Ooh, pulling your pulling your collar away from your neck. <laughs> I get no respect. Take so I, I would say the the uh, the <laughs> please take her. Uh, <laughs> I would say the concept of the uh, the opening segment with news has completely fallen apart. This oh point. yeah 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 yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll just do it when there is enough sort of current stuff going on to warrant it. Yeah, I will say. I think that uh, I think that it informed. I think it, it allowed us to get to to um, it allowed us to get into content more quickly. Even just the 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 uh, the the notion that we would attempt to do that. Yeah, it, it, it cuts off you making the first segment about like your choice in scones at this bakery around the corner. Like Which, it just uh, is totally inaccurate because I do not care for scones. Also. Mm-hmm. No bakeries around the corner. How many ways could you be wrong, Kylan McDaniel? Boom. Let's talk. I, uh, I, I sincerely have a, apologize for my. Wait, I have more questions for you. I I have a whole segue developed that you crushed earlier, but let's. let's oh yeah. To so it. yeah. Anyway, Carson so Fulmer is pitching a high A. Oh, this is big news. But pause. Pause for applause. The most recent. Uh, when I looked most recently, I could find only three position players. Who had recorded a player? This is just from this last week. Who had recorded a plate appearance? Three position players from the most recent draft who had also recorded a plate appearance at high A, right? And I don't think any of them have recorded a plate appearance higher than high A. Do, 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 would you like to guess? Would you like to guess? Well, I feel like I've cheated because you already tweeted this out and I saw it. Oh, you did. Okay. Although I think I forgot one of them, so. <laughs> All right, well, I, know, I know Willie Calhoun is involved. <laughs> yeah, Willie Calhoun is definitely involved. You, you know another one of them, of course. Uh, a certain Bre- LSU shortstop. Oh, yeah, Alex Bregman. Yeah, he's yeah. a, he's a Yeah. And uh, Blake Trahan. 
you're not going to believe this. I was bullied into this line of thinking. It's actually pronounced Trahan. Oh, I support that. Apparently, that's the 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 sort of Cajun way to pronounce it. And Striker Trahan, apparently, his name is also pronounced that way. He just didn't bother telling anyone. I learned this when Blake Tra- Trahan played mm-hmm. for Team USA, and they kept announcing his name like that. And I went to the Team USA guy, and I was like, uh, "WTF, bro?" Yeah. And uh, and he was like, "He told us that's how we're supposed to say it." I was like, yeah, that's fine. Wait, so is is Striker Trahan then? Is he also a Cajun? Well, he's from Louisiana. Okay, so I, I'm I'm was, a huge. Listen. I've spent nearly zero time in uh, in that area, but <clears throat> from afar... The airport Popeyes is delightful. What, the, what's that? What'd you say? No, why, why would I ever be at the air, just happening to be at the airport? Where, where, where would you be connecting? You, but you said you spent almost no time, so for, to me that applied to... I spent a day one time. I spent a day at a yeah. hostel in New Orleans. There why was, was it so mean to you? <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and that, all right. That's, that's fine. So he yeah. is – he's also – oh, he is. He's not just from Louisiana. He's from a high school called Acadiana. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know if he was his family was necessarily Cajun, but he's from Louisiana, and he's got the same last name. So you have to assume those guys are related at some level. So Although, the Acadians – I was told they, they were distant cousins, then I was told they weren't related at all, but I bet they're related in some way, even if it's distant. So that's, how, that's where we get the word Cajun from is the word Acadia. Acadians oh, were – did you know that? No. It was a certain uh, – uh, I, I don't know precisely what it was, but it, it was a group of French-speaking immigrants in northeast Canada. Not Quebec, actually, but in the – I don't know, maybe like the New Brunswick area. You know, um, this is the part of the podcast that was supposed to get eliminated by my first <laughs> – But the point is that uh, – um, Page twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, no, but but that's that's where we get the word Cajun from. Is the is from the word Acadia. And now I'm looking at Blake Trahan, and uh, so he went to college in Lafayette, and and uh, Stryker Trahan is it's, from it's Lafayette. Lafayette. <laughs> What's that? It's Lafayette. Wait, is it? <laughs> no, I just wanted to correct you. <laughs> huh. I don't know where he went to high school though. Uh, Blake, Blake Trahan. Oh, uh, I can tell you, but let's get to the point first. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Here's the point. Um, Blake Trahan went to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, and he was a starting shortstop there. I believe he was a starting shortstop there for three years, and he was uh, good. I believe that is true. Yeah, yeah. he was. And he was good. Yeah, he, went, he went to Kinder High School in Kinder, Louisiana. Okay, I don't know anything about Kinder. I don't either. <clears throat> Except I think it's like it's a delicious, it's a delicious German treat for children, I think. Kinder. Pass. You keep going. Move, move on. Just power <laughs> through. Come on. <laughs> the, um, don't, worry, don't worry, listener. We'll make it and through And, of course, this. Alex Bregman, also uh, also from Louisiana. Uh, no, New Mexico. New, from New Mexico. Went to Louisiana. Yes. Also, um, I mean, he could, conspicuously talented, right? There were very few questions about, uh, you know, his. Yes. The only reason he got to school was he tore his ACL his last year of high school. He was. Uh, sort of on the radar, and also uh, maybe noted was uh, sort of best buds with uh, Blake Swihart, who is from the same area of New Mexico, okay. and I think is one year older than him. Right now, Willie Calhoun, less noted, uh, selected in the fourth round of this uh, most recent draft. Um, I believe he was off my draft board completely, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah, and and JC played because he he had actually transferred, I think, from University of Arizona to it's called I have it here. I do have it here. It's called Per. Oh, Yavapi. Yavapi. No. Nope. Uh, I can't. There's no way I could say it without sounding racist. Yavapi. 
Yavapai, all right. The, uh, yeah, he was on the top 200, but was in, he was in contention. I had the name in the, on the board, but he, he got left off for reasons I'll explain. Okay, yeah, and I'm interested. Well, listen, those reasons you explain, I've seen his body, and it's a silly body for a person to have. <laughs> is it a Williams a studio body? Uh, not quite that hard. Uh, How that. bad is that body? A new <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, Calhoun has, this was, when I was looking at this last week, he had he had played very well at the at two levels um, below high A. Has recently made his debut at high A, uh, and has has played quite well. Has played quite well, and not just in terms of the results, but also in in some of the um, you know the more process related metrics. You know he's 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 making a lot of contact. He's taking some walks. He, he's hit some home runs. Uh, and he's playing second base, right? So when I look at the prof- the profile, I say that's second exciting. Base. He's what, sorry? He's playing second base with that body. He is. He's played exclusively second base in the minor leagues. Huh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Now, yes, you bring that up. He's got a funny body. <laughs> he's he's a, he's a, he's he a, got that funny body. He's a solid. He's a solid little gentleman. Um, He's listed at five nine one seventy seven, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, so. So here's the here's the point though. What 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 does one do with all this, right? So I've I've essentially I've presented the the the, the relevant statistical information, and I've also noted that he's got a little bit of a funny body, but he's playing some second base, and he's not. It does not appear to be embarrassing himself. I mean, you know, the Dodgers are keeping him there at least, and he's got a fielding percentage above 900. So what what do you do with it? When, and I guess what can you add, Kyler McDaniel, to my understanding, to everyone's understanding of Willie Calhoun? So I did not see him, and he was on sort of the high school showcase, I believe, the year before I was doing sort of the national draft stuff. So I haven't seen him before. Uh, I've seen video and I talked to guys that saw him because I think he hit like a ridiculous amount of home runs at Yavapai this year. Uh, and I'm sure those same area scouts saw him, um, when he was in Cal, or uh, when he was at Arizona, probably just taking BP, I would assume. Do you think Eric Longenhagen in- saw him this year? Uh, he did, yeah. Okay. I believe he has video of him on the YouTubes. Um, <laughs> And his, and his actual report from when he saw him a game or two was the same as what I had heard, which was, yeah, he's got some juice, meaning power. Uh, it's a funny body, uh, and it's a little bit of a, like a little stiff, little uphill, sort of an aggressive swing and miss, you know, kind of guy, uh, which this is all sort of code for, you know, sort of short season will probably hit 260 with a bunch of home runs, uh, and maybe even some walks and maybe even not that many strikeouts, but then, you know, gets the double A, plays guys his age, and it's going to be 220, you know, part-time player, uh, you know, 20 homers, but, you know, you're just like, is this guy going to make the big leagues? And so my sort of evaluation was, you know, fifth, eighth round, like something like that. Like sort of where you put the sort of one tool guys. So he was sort of seen as, and, and I think he's playing, if I'm not mistaken, third and a little second Yavapai, but it was sort of like, you know, this guy's not great defensively. He's kind of limited is, you know, kind of squat like a Brett Wallace kind of thing. Like it's first base. And uh, uh, I would like to announce right now, uh, now, it appears as though Yavapai, they generally hit a lot of home runs. He hit 31 and 227 at-bats. So if he got a full, like, you know, big league six months at that playing condition, he would have hit, like, 140 home runs. 
That's a lot of home runs. That's so many home runs. So you can see why that guy gets on someone's radar when they're just like, well, this guy had more home runs than the three guys that we have in the first round that are playing in college, so let's go check him out. Yeah. Um, But I will say this is the sort of player where this sort of thing that you're seeing where he's, you know, drastically beating expectations like immediately, even though it's in, you know, relatively small sample sizes can happen because he has like one huge, uh, you know, uh, carrying tool, as they say. And because he's not facing great competition, because Arizona didn't let him play, because he's got the, as, as Carson said, the name of his new hit single, Funny Body. Um, I'll, I'll get you, I got a good producer in mind for him. Okay, good, good. Well, like, I hope it's better these... than our, than the producer for this program who refuses to provide, uh, audio drops. Yeah, why don't we just use Keyboard Cat as the, as the, as the drop? Um, yeah, con- contact Keyboard Cat's people. Let me know. Um, but but so because of that, like everything's sort of against him, and because it looks funny, you even discount the carrying tool, uh, like I just did, as oh, it's raw power, but it's not game power because you know it's all you know it's all hilarious what he's doing here. Um, but because of that. Uh, that means some scouts, including I'm suspecting the ones I was talking to, uh, will overlook the core skills there of, oh, he can get deep in account, he has a pretty good sense of the strike zone, he's got some raw power, he's left-handed. You know, his hands aren't that bad. You know, if we can maybe work on some quickness, maybe lose a couple pounds, maybe he can play the infield, and all of a sudden you got a guy that's kind of interesting that, you know, 15 of the 30 area scouts is like start giggling in the second inning. Um which I have seen firsthand with guys I have seen and looked at Aries Scott and been like, why is this guy getting more attention? He should go in the third or fourth round. They're like, are you kidding me? His body's funny. And I'm like, shut up. Like, you're wrong. Uh, and all right, I wasn't quite that blunt, but it was sort of, that was, that was what was in my head that I was trying to translate into. I don't know. You might be too low on him. Um, I've seen that happen and I know how that happens. And the, the reason is because, um, base, major league baseball players tend to look the same way. And your job as an area scout and a cross checker, et cetera, is to have a huge pool of players. And, you know, we're including, you know, like in Florida, if you're doing central Florida, you've got like 15 junior colleges, each with 30 players on them. And you have to like pick out the five guys that matter. You got to use some shortcuts to like narrow that down. And so you see a guy that couldn't hack it at Arizona who has, you know, six out of nine guys in the lineup aren't going to play any meaningful level of pro ball. Uh, you're like, all right, that guy's got a funny body and, uh, you know, swings and misses a little too much. And he's in like a you know a, a league that's easy to hit home runs. I don't need to worry about that guy. Um, so yeah, that that's how this sort of thing happens. And this summer, when I tracked down some people that saw him in sort of the A ball levels where he's aged appropriately and was crushing everybody in relatively small samples, I'll hear from people that have never seen him before that just saw him succeeding, uh, deciding if they think in that context he looks like more of a prospect, but. I mean, I would bet he'll be on the list. He'll be at least a 40. Uh, actually, it's a pretty good shot he'll just be a 40. Um, but, yeah, that's how that happens, and that's why you're going to continue seeing that happen. And that's how yeah, but, that's how yeah. weird weird stuff like guys that go in the 30th and 40th round ends up working because sometimes it's, you know, fringe stuff, you know, not a big guy, and you're like, no thanks. And it turns out it's fringe stuff with 60 command, but in junior college you can't tell it's 60 command because all the hitters suck, and you're just like, oh, this is fringe stuff, no thanks. Well, I know, and, and I, for me – the, one of the ways you explained it where I, I really began to understand it and how the, how a player like this might be overlooked is when you – I think you were at some showcase or something and you were discussing how you needed to you know, provide an evaluation on the defensive skills of 30 different prep shortstops. And you just see one right after the other 
And yeah, I was gonna say it's like 30 opinions within like four minutes. You see all of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to make. You have to. You know. You, you say you create for yourself the obligation of, you know, having a, an idea of the defensive skills of each of them, and you say, yeah, well, this, the, here are the guys. So, so, so you have to come up with some sort of criteria, right? And the criteria generally is who are the ones who most resemble physically and in terms of their actions, uh, major league shortstops, right? And that, in, yep. and, uh, but at the same time, you know, and, and this is, uh, this is a well-trod comparison, but then you have Johnny Peralta, who does not look like a major league shortstop. And yet. Looks kind of like Willie Calhoun. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yet all indications, uh, you know, at least according to metrics and according, uh, and the St. Louis Cardinals interest in him suggests that he is at least average, if not better. And he also has, uh, he also probably has an average or better bat. And so that's a very valuable player. And that's not someone you want to overlook if you can get him, especially if you can get him for a reasonable price. And so – but I could understand, yeah, if you saw if you saw Johnny Peralta with all those same high school kids, you'd be like, why is that old guy there? He's 30 years old. Yeah. He's definitely not in high school. But at the same time, you'd be like, he doesn't <clears> – he <throat> doesn't look like he's about to become physically what, <clears throat> what, I, what one sees on a major league field typically. So, so there's this thing you can do in uh, Mario Kart, which I haven't played in a long time, uh, where if you're uh, playing by yourself, which is kind of sad because it's you know kind of a group game. It is, it uh, is better as yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but if you like you go run a couple laps against the computer or do like a qualifying run or whatever, you can then run it again, and there will be a ghost version of yourself that is like what you did the last time you played that you could kind of compare to yourself oh, yeah, and see yeah, like. Yeah. Oh, I was a little ahead of myself. That's what you're doing with these shortstops and these showcases. And the problem is the ghost is always Ozzy Smith. <laughs> and so you're watching like this, like, uh, like Oscar Mercado, a guy that went in the cop round out of a Tampa high school. I believe was born in Columbia, uh, to the Cardinals. Uh, he's like six foot one or six one, one sixty with like flashy actions and like a pretty good arm and very quick hands. And you're like, that kind of does look like him. You're right. Uh, and then during the spring, he makes a bunch of errors, and people are like, I don't think – I'm not sure this is going to work. Like, it does look good, but, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't have, like, the attention to detail and the focus and all that to make it work. And then, like, meanwhile, across town, 33-year-old Johnny Peralta is playing at, like, middle of nowhere high school, and the, all the scouts are like, this is hilarious. They're letting him play shortstop. And then, like, 10 years later, like, he's in the big leagues, and Oscar Mercado's stuck in A-ball, and you're like, where did I go wrong? I don't know. That seems like that could have been a funny bit if it was more visual. Where do, where did I go wrong though? Is a uh, that's a good way to end most days. You know, just uttering that aloud. Where did I go wrong? Yeah. Uh, how does your wife say it every night? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We're usually not in the same room as we're going to bed. It's true. Yeah. yeah. My whole life's a trial separation. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I think I've told you, right? My uh, my wife is a devout Christian. How devout is she? Uh, she's saving herself for her second husband. <laughs> <laughs> I So whenever I'm at a wedding, I always get in the groom's ear, uh, you know, when we're kind of like joking around or whatever. Yeah, and I'll yeah. be like, hey, it'd be really funny if maybe not during the toast, but just during one of the times when you say like, oh, thanks, everyone, for coming out to say like, uh, you know, me and Caroline, uh, we're really excited. I think she's going to be a great first wife. <laughs> I was like, just sli- <laughs> slip it in there once. You'll get such a good laugh and she'll get over it because she knows it's funny, but yeah. mainly because she's in public and knows that if she gets mad, she'll seem really uptight. So she won't get mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's that's yeah, that seems like a really good, a really good I gag. Think nobody, but nobody, nobody does it. Has a great. Yeah. There's a lot of. Um, 
there's a lot of room for that, I think, in the world. Another another way is, uh, and I've I've done this both times. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Sarah, our colleague, has two children, and uh, both times. What? Yeah, he does. Oh, is that shocking to you already? Human children? Yeah, they're human. They're his. Well, but, uh, this is actually relevant uh, because I both times his wife was pregnant. Like he would, he, like he would, you know, tell us. He'd be like, "Oh, my wife's pregnant," and then I would kind of take him aside. I'd be like, "And uh, and you're sure it's yours?" You know. <laughs> I think that to me that is infinite laughs every time. Yeah. I think. What time does the milkman usually come? Let's try yeah. to triangulate this thing. Which is great because who has a milkman? That's why it's funny. Because oh. if you were to say like the cable guy, that he'd be like, wait, hold on a minute. That guy came like four times in one month. Yeah. And he also and he, showed up at my house. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and he died. Pretty probably. Yeah. Wait, what were we talking about before we got into crude jokes? We're done. You're done. You hit an oh, hour. It's true. I believe I've fulfilled my obligation, which for some reason is larger than Dave Cameron's obligation. <laughs> Are we still? No, it's okay. I'm, I'm, it's just a conversation point. I'm not. I'm not mad. No, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> what do you mean I sound mad? <laughs> Kylie, I'd like to thank you for uh, for your appearance here. Uh, much like you on the Suspedis Family Barbiecast, I've been Kylie McDaniel, the lead prospect analyst. <laughs> Wait, would you? Oh yeah, did you have a bone before we go? Would you? Would you care to uh, air your grievances? Uh, no, I, I feel like uh, my response to that is better as the idea of a looming physical than airing out our grievances. I'm not really. You're wait. You're going to threaten me physically? I mean, you're coming to the fall league, right? Yes. I just here's the thing. I've seen you, and I think we're roughly the same size. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's when you get down to. Uh, you think you're yeah. lean? You think you're lean? <laughs> Are we talking lean about and... body projections here? Yeah, we're talking about combat experience and and want to. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> and thickness of wrists. I ran. I ran five miles today. Yeah, what were you running from, Carson? Myself. Yeah, come you get your whooping. Can never get away from yourself. Do you know that uh, I mentioned in a moment of weakness? I mentioned to my wife that <clears throat> who uh, has run half marathons before and wants to run them in the future. I said, you know, I might run one of those with you. And then I was notified by email shortly thereafter that I'd been registered for I'd been registered for a half marathon in Portland, Maine. It was a great surprise to me. That's a top-notch passive-aggressive wife move. It was amazing. And, like, uh, oh, you want to act like you can hang with me? Guess what? We're going to find out. <laughs> she ran today. She's been training, and she ran – today she ran 12 miles. She had 12 miles. She averaged nine minutes per mile. I think that that is, that is a fast pace because I ran five miles, and I averaged – I tried to average nine miles. And I <clears> – <throat> my final, final mile, I – absolutely resembled someone who was having a long, <laughs> drawn-out stroke. I was, I was twitching. I, my mouth, I was, drool, I, was drool, I was drooling. That's not a lie. You, you were pee-depressing to look at, as the oh, kids say. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It was not good. And, uh, yeah, this, so this, this marathon is uh, less than a month from now, or a half marathon. We'll see. Five miles, five miles kicked my ass today. So we'll see. I mean, I did finish it. I would recommend as your uh, your way to ramp up to the uh, 
to the 26, with 26.2 miles? Or, or no, thir- yeah, sorry, 13.1? 13, 13.1, yeah. Uh, so I've, I've read, cause I have some friends that'll do this and like, you know, blog or, uh, or tweet about it. And apparently there's different methods to building up to 13.1. And yeah. some of them it's like, you know, run eight or nine or 10, like the week before. And you're like almost there. And some of them it's like, you know, sort of focus on the, how quickly and how efficiently and how often you can run five. And I don't think you run more than like five if you're going to run a 13. I don't think you run more than like 10 if you're going to run a 26 or something like that. Uh-huh. I would recommend you just don't run at all between now and that day. <laughs> I've got a third idea and it's, it's, it's hypothetical at this point. Like I don't have any data points, but you could be the first one. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work, Kylie. <laughs> it's it's called the hilarity in Sue's plan. <laughs> yeah, it could also be the uh, vomit on my shoes plan. Uh, well, those rhyme, so... <laughs> yeah. All right, you're done. You're done, Kylie McDaniel. You ready? You ready? Bring, it, bring in the lefty. Okay, thank yeah. you, Kylie McDaniel. I've been the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. That's been Kylie McDaniel, lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Stooley. This is Fangraphs Audio. Beep, beep, beep.